This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Tuesday. We're going to begin this week with I Love Adventure. We'll hear the Ambassador Ricardo Santos affair from July 18, 1948. After that, it's the Whistler and Dear Roger, their story from January 6th. 1947. The American Broadcasting Company presents I Love Adventure. Incident number 13, The Ambassador Ricardo Santos Affair, a new Carlton E. Morse production featuring Jack, Doc, and Reggie. It was six o'clock on a hot evening of a sweltering July in the A-1 Detective Agency office just around the corner off Hollywood Boulevard. Doc Long and Jack Packard were lounging in their shirt sleeves, and Mary Kay Jones, the cutest secretary in blouse and skirt, was trying to keep her makeup on straight before the mirror over by the water cooler. Don't you know where Reggie's at, Jack? I'm sorry, old boy. Well, don't nobody know where Reggie's at? Mary Kay, don't you know? Don't I know what? Where Reggie's at? Hey, are you a secretary or just a makeup artist? Well, the girl's got to look her best, hasn't she? All right, Kay, if you looked any better, mere male man couldn't stand. Hey, that's my line, Jack. Oh? Sure it is. Who named Mary Kay the cutest secretary in Hollywood? I did. Who makes like a wolf when Mary Kay's in the neighborhood? I do. Amen, brother. Well, you lay off, Mary Kay, son. Let a Texas boy that knows how to take care of the beautiful secretaries around this detective office. You just take care of playing like Sherlock Holmes. Listen to the man flex his cerebral muscle. <laughs> I uh, beg your pardon. Huh? Hey, a customer. Well, won't you come in and have a chair? Uh, this is the A1 detective agency. This is her. Here, sit down. What can we do for you? Uh, this young woman, uh, who is she? Oh, that's Mary Kay Jones, our secretary. Don't pay no attention to her. Well, I like that. Uh, which of you is Senor Parker? I am. This is my partner, Doc Long. Oh, yes, yes. I am Juan Carlos, a representative of a certain Central American country, which uh, shall go unnamed. Well, speak right up, Senor Carlos, you among friend. What can we do for you? You will leave for Istanbul, Turkey tonight. Hey. What? Where did you say? Isn't Istanbul, Turkey quite a long way from home? Here are $5,100 bills to make it worth someone's while. I'll take that. Please, senorita. Mary Kay, give the man back his $5,000. Yeah, honey, shame on you for grabbing like that. I'm not only secretary, I'm treasurer of this agency. All you boys get is expense money until I get caught up on my back paycheck. But we haven't even accepted the assignments uh-huh. yet. Oh, yes, you have. They'll go to Istanbul, Senor Carlos. Just tell them the setup. Well, how you like them apples? What to pitch, anyhow, Phil? Uh, this is how it is. Uh, Senor Ricardo Santos, uh, my country's ambassador to Turkey, is coming home. You have been selected to escort him from his post in Istanbul, Turkey, to his homeland, together with his wife and daughter. He is returning home because it is uh, quite possible that he will be the next president of his country, and the election is near. It is important that he be closely guarded because there are many who are opposed to him and it is quite possible that the assassination is in order. You mean somewhere along the route between Istanbul and Central America some of his own people try to rub him out? It is quite certain an attempt will be made, Senor Packard. Oh, so that's what you got on the floor. Get the ambassador and the ambassador's wife and the ambassador's daughter safe across home base. Well, um... Hey, by the way, I hope Ambassador's daughter is young and good-looking and unmarried. I can assure you she is all those things. Well, hot sock, what's holding us back? Air transportation has been arranged for you to Istanbul. Now, at the Turkish capital, my country has arranged for a two-motor plane to be put in your hands for your return flight across French West Africa to Freetown. 
It is my understanding that both of you are expert pilots of large aircraft. Oh, you looking at the two hottest flowers this side of paradise. Just a minute. A flight across uh, French Africa will require several refueling stops. They have been arranged. Once you have reached Freetown, you will take passage on the first transatlantic plane schedule. All right. Well, that's good enough for us. We leave the office to you, Mary Kay. Yeah, man. Istanbul, Turkey. Next up. Senior Santos, there goes the last of your boxes and baggage. All that stuff will go by cargo boat. It is a relief. This packing and unpacking and shifting from place to place, I do not like. Yeah, I sure do know what you mean. Just now, I'm more interested in getting myself, my wife, and my daughter safely back within our own boat. That's our job, son. Uh, hey, Mr. Santos, you taking medicine? Quinine capsules. They are required for my health. Oh, quinine, huh? Well... Well, Mr. Ambassador, we leave this here suite at the hotel in about ten minutes. Then, hey, what become of Jack? I thought he was here with us just a minute ago. I think my wife took him by the arm and led him into another part of the suite. Oh, she did, did she? Say, my wife has a way with a gentleman. It's one of her little Spanish tricks. Oh, hey, now, Mr. Ambassador, all women of all nations got a way with men. It's human nature. Beware the tricks of a Spanish girl. They're more subtle than all others. I, personally, am a Portuguese descent. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I've been told. Portuguese without adulteration. Likewise, my daughter Lola. She, too, is Portuguese, without taint or blemish. My first wife, who was Lola's mother, was a fine Portuguese family. Well, I don't get it. Is that so important? To me, to my daughter, it is everything. Well, that kind of leaves Miss Sanders out in the cold, don't it? <laughs> That one is never out in the cold. The Spanish women have ways of warming themselves beyond an American's knowledge. Does this hotel furnish an orchestra every day like this, Senor Santos? No, this is a special. They're playing outside the window of our suite today because we are going away. We have been guests here for nearly two years. Oh, I see. Well, all the luggage and boxes have gone to the wharf. I'd like to leave with you and your husband and daughter for the airport as soon as you're ready. Lola is not my daughter. Well, I suppose... Do that... I look to be a woman old enough to have a 19-year-old daughter? Oh, by no means. No. In fact, I'm barely one year older than Lola. Ricardo married me out of the arms of my mother when I was only 15. Yes, I understand early marriages are the accepted thing in most South and Central American countries. But that is not the point. Oh. No, it is. It is that I'm barely 20 years old. Ricardo is old enough to be my father. See, to be truthful, he's more to me a father than a husband. Oh, good. Uh -huh. Now, can you be ready to leave and... You uh... are not interested? Oh, but I am. I'm interested in every little thing about all the Santos families. My job to get you all back home safely. No, is that interest? My job and your husband's life may depend on Doc and me. I should be interested. You do not think I'm beautiful? Oh, positively, uh... See, and you are strong, virile man. Well, now, see, here, I came here to rescue you from possible assassins, not from Anoui and Borden. Borden? What worse assassin is there for a young and beautiful woman? Well, senora... Senora, this awful conventional word, senora. Please, do not keep reminding me I'm a married woman. My name is Carmen. Ah, yes, yes, Carmen. Which means red. Also fiery. Also blazing. Ah, so, I am interrupting something. Oh, no, no, not so. Come in. Senor Packer, this is my husband's daughter, Lola. Yes, yes, I've met Lola. Please. Please, mamacita. Father wishes you to make ready to depart. How dare you call me mamacita? I'm not your mother. I am obedient, daughter. Since when? Never once since I married with your father have you been obedient. Now, with good-looking man present, you say, Mama Sita. You try to make me old woman. Look, you two, we've got to get to the airfield if we're going to take off. I'm not schedule. old woman. Oh, I can see that, but your family... Father will are... be angry if you do not hurry. Conspiracy, always conspiracy between you and your father. <laughs> you must not take that. Spanish woman. Seriously, Senor Packard. Uh, what goes on here? 
my father and I. We are Portuguese. Garden, she is only Spanish woman. Yeah, a very pretty Spanish woman. Oh, in a Spanish way, I, I suppose so. But not so pretty as young Portuguese girls, no? Hey, what kind of a household is this, anyway? Doc and I come here to save your father's skin and get you safely home, and what do we find? Me, senor. You find me. Is that not pleasant? Well, I find a couple of women knifing each other. Are you all dressed and ready to go down to the car? See, si. Even to my perfume. If you come close, you will smell how beautiful... Hey, Jackie. Whoa, look at what I find going on in here. Good work, Doc. You're right on cue. We ready? Well, I got Mom and Papa under control if you can handle daughter, which I see that you can. <laughs> Another crude American. Please, let's get started for the airport. Yeah, come on, crude American. Gather up an armful of bags. <laughs> yeah, you bet you. Now I know what makes this stand bull so hot. It's women. Well, here we are on our way, son. Across the Mediterranean, halfway across Liberia. Farther than that, we'll be over Tama in another three or four minutes. Tama? I never heard of it. It's our first refueling point on the Liberia-French Equatorial African border. Hey, we are making fast time. I'll take over the controls while you go back into the cabin and see that Ambassador Santos and his two passionate females strap themselves into their seats for the landing. Oh, leave it to me. Ah, it's about time we were seeing someone from up front. How are we progressing, Senor Long? Well, we just about to come down at Tomo on the border for refueling. We will have time to leave the ship and exercise ourselves a little? That's right, Lola. Now, will you all please strap yourselves into your seats? It will be a relief. I like to fly, but I also like it better on the ground. Senor Santos, your seat belt, please, ma'am. Lola, fasten your belt, too, honey. We're going to land for refueling. Hey, what kind of a place is this Tomo? Oh, it ain't going to be much. I can promise you that. It... Uh-oh. Jack's begun to take us down. I got to go on up front. Keep your straps on till the plane stops. See you all in a jiffy. Hey, Jack, you sure that's our destination? This is it. Miserable place. We'll be down and back up again in no time. You're not supposed to be up here. Senor Doc Long is sleeping out in the cabin. You were up here at the control salon. Yeah, he's got to get some sleep so he can relieve me. We're flying all night. Please. Then may I not sit down beside you? Well, sit down. Gracias. Why aren't you asleep? Ricardo is asleep. Lola is asleep. Senor Long is asleep. Me? I cannot sleep. You say the ambassador is sleeping? Ah, si. He took two of his medicine capsules. Dropped right off. Where are we now? That last stop we made was at Sokoto, Nigeria. Huh? That place we stopped this morning. Uh, Tamo? Yeah. Tamo, Liberia. See, si. <laughs> Never been in so terrible a place. Sand that blister your skin, heat that suffocates you with every breath. Sun flies to swarm over you. Well, we got out of there now, eh? Do we stop again before we reach the coast? Yeah, Timbuktu, French West Africa. Oh, we're over French West Africa now, huh? That's right. Jungle country. Uh, jungle. But it's better than the desert. Uh, not to land in. We're not landing, are we? Well, if you can give me a written guarantee. That... What was that? Go back and wake up, Doc. But what does it mean? I don't know. Maybe nothing. Hey, Jack. Yeah. Jack and them engines get the hiccups. Well, for a minute, I... Holy cow, where are we at? Jungle. Take Mrs. Santos back to the cabin. Get her tied in her seat and wake up the others. Yeah, you bet you. Better make it fast. Dios mio. Senora, we're going to die. Get their seat buckle fastened while I wake up others. What is it? What is the matter? The engines are stopping. We're going to fall. Santos, hey, Santos, wake up. <coughs> Here, fasten your safety belt. We've got engine trouble. Fasten yourself in. You too, Lola. Where are we? Jungles. Hundreds of miles of jungles. i got to get back up front.
goes, Doc. Jack, you got yourself strapped in. Yeah, take care of yourself. Hey, uh, that's a pretty good-sized moon. Will it help any? I won't have much control by the time we get low. Hey, look, Jack, right ahead there. Ain't that the moon shining on the river? Hello, maybe we got something. If I can make it... You darn well better make it, or we're going to smack the good earth with a splatter. Protect yourself as much as you can. Here we go. Miracles do happen. Yeah. You all in one piece, son? Alive and kicking. Dog, gone the way you just skimmed the top of the water to slow us down, then brought us up in the sand bank. I was just as pretty as a picture. Could you see anything? Never mind that. Come on back and see how our passengers are doing. Probably suffering from shock. Well, it's all right. You can open your eyes, Ambassador. We are safely down. Safe as you're ever going to be. We come down the river and rode up onto the bank. Oh, you. Oh, we're so afraid. <laughs> Not I. Lola, what are you saying? Not I. I say to myself, if this is good enough for Senor Packard and Senor Doc Long, then it is good enough for me. Hmm, come right along with us through foreign brimstone, huh? That's a nice thought. But where are we? We'll have to wait until morning. We're on a river in the jungle. Come morning, we'll know how desperate it really is. <laughs> That's that. A doggone deliberate attempted murder. No doubt of it. Too much water in the gasoline to make it an accident. Yeah, somebody knowed we was going to refuel a Sokoto Nigeria and just deliberately gummed up the gasoline. No doubt of it. They was willing to kill his wife and his daughter as well as me and you just to get Ambassador Santos. That's how it looks. Well, whoever it was must have watered the gasoline before we got there. I stood with a ship every doggone minute while we was on the ground. I know. Where are the two women? Oh, they went down behind some bushes on the river bank to wash up a little bit. You warn them about the water? Yeah, I... Oh, here comes the ambassador and his everlasting quinine capsule. He also has been combing last night's snarls out of his whiskers. Well, it's a good morning for it. Yeah. Gonna be a hot day, though. Good morning, senores. Morning, ambassador. You, uh, find the trouble with the engine, yes? Well, we found it. Oh? Somebody gave us a dull-raised gasoline. Naturally, the engine's conked out. Well, do not hold yourself responsible. You saved my life when you bring the plane down safe. I am full of gratitude. Well, thanks. Doc and I have had the maps out there. Should be a narrow-gauge railroad about 50 miles to the north of here. 50 miles on foot? Is that possible in this jungle? It also says not to get mixed up with no natives because that is bad medicine. That makes our situation difficult, no, senores? Yeah, to put it my way. Hey! Hey, listen at that. That's a line. Hey, Jack. Jack, they must have been attacked. Hold it, Doc. Put the rifle down. It's all right. But, senor. They're just scared by the lion roar. Those lions are a quarter of a mile away. All right, all right. Hold it a minute. Yeah, sure. Catch your breath. You're laughing at us. Those lions are a quarter of a mile away. Nevertheless, I do not like being loose in the jungle with lions. You don't like it a lot less after you've walked 50 miles. 50 miles? In these shoes. Haven't you two women got walking shoes in the plane? Yeah, I have. I have golf shoes. I'll go put them on. Well, but, Senor Packard, why we do not ask the help of the natives? What natives? Who are playing the drum. Drum? See, Don by the river. It is easier to hear, Don. Listen. Dog, dog. That's our cue to get out of this neck of the woods. Doc, you get the supplies. I'll get the camping essentials. The rest of you get into your easiest walking clothes. We're gone places. Senor Packard, are you certain you can get us out of this jungle? Uh, well, save your breath. We'll make it. But for three days, Senor, three whole days we fight through the jungle, and tonight we sleep on the ground. Yeah. Cheer up, Lola. We're 20 miles closer to the railroad. I, I wonder. Well, of course we are. 20 miles on our way and 30 miles to go. Hey, hold it a minute. What is it? What now, Jack? Some kind of a path. I don't see any signs of human footprints. Oh, uh-uh, but plenty of animal track. Looks safe enough. Oh, see. It will be better than beating our way through the jungle. All right, we'll follow it for a way. 
As long as it goes in our direction. Listen, senor. Those awful drums again. Senor Packard, those drums are following us through the jungle. Uh, you get that impression, but I doubt it. But day after day, they're behind us. We will all be killed. We will all die. Mr. Sanders, stop that. I'm sorry. Those drums, they frightened me. Perhaps they do not frighten Lola also. Oh, see, I know you and your daughter. You are Portuguese. I am Spanish. You are brave. I'm not so All brave. All right, that's enough of that. Will I tell you, Senor Ambassador Santos, I'm sorry for the day I married with you. I was sorry that day, and I've been sorry every minute of every day since that first Carmen, day. please. Did you hear what I said? Come on now. We've got at least two miles more before we make camp tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if this trail led to some watering place. Probably. Matter of fact, I thought I caught the gleam of sun on water through the jungle back a little. You mean we must wait in the river? Hey, walk up here beside me a minute, Lola. See? Hey, what is that up ahead? A conspiracy? Never mind. Hey, Lola, has your mother... Carmen is not my mother. All right, your stepmother then. Has Carmen always acted this way towards your father? Mm, not at first. This last maybe 18 months. Do you have any idea of why? No. Sometimes I I do not blame her, maybe. My father, he keeps rubbing her nose, in fact, that that we are Portuguese, and and she's only Spanish. Hey, Jack. Jack, look ahead there. It's a river. (laughs) It's great. It's not a very big river. No, it's not. It looks shallow. We are going to wade this river, senor. No, it looks shallow, not too wide. Got a fairly sandy bottom. What about crocodiles? No, not in this kind of water. Doc, you and I'll each carry one of the women. Ambassador, you'll have to do the best you can. If you, senores, do it, I will do it. Good. Uh, hey, Ambassador, you think you should take so much quinine? It is required for my health. All right, Miss Santos, hop up in the morning. No. Then your placard will carry me. Oh, you want Jack, huh? Okay, come on, Lola. See. If Carmen wish it that way. See, si, I do. You are making an obvious display of yourself, Carmen. That I will not forget. All right, here we go. Up with you. Up we go, Lola. Senor Doc Long, but you are strong. Well, either way, you follow with Lola, Doc, and the ambassador. Very good. Is it getting much deeper? I don't think it's gone much over our knees. Nice, convenient river. Hey, keep close behind, Mr. Ambassador. See, I will do. Strange. I I am suddenly feeling dizzy from the sun. Well, you can't stop now. Keep it coming. We'll give you a rest when we get on the other side. Hey, Jad. What's the matter? Senior Sam's got himself a catchy son. Better get set for a stop when we get across. All right. You shouldn't have a touch of sun. Can you see him? Yes. Over your shoulder. Uh, does he seem to be all right? Oh, see. Why should I care for what happened to him when I'm in your arms? Well, you're in my arms only because I'm your pack horse across this river. Perhaps I can persuade you differently. I doubt it. I've got the idea that Senor Ricardo Santos is a pretty decent man. Maybe he'll be president of this country. So? So I'd prefer him to have a wife worthy of him in his high office. This high office you talk about, that is a cold, hard bed for a lonely woman. Uh, Here we come up. (sighs) Didn't even get the soldier's shoes wet. Father, where's my father? He's gone. Hey, Jeff. Jack, Santos has disappeared. Save him. Save my father. What, what happened? Put Lola down. What happened? Oh, he was right behind us. The next thing we know, he wasn't there. He said it was dizzy. Come on. If he fainted, he must be drifting down the river with the current. Yeah. Ain't much current. He couldn't have drifted far. Hey, son, what you think's the chance of him having sunk to the bottom? No, I don't think so. Don't leave us. Don't leave us here. We won't get out of sight. Jack. Hey, Jack, look out there in the middle of the river. Hey, that's him. Come on. He's a-floating, face down. Got in ahead of him. If it was only just a little bit deeper, I could make better time swimming. Get him, Doc. Get him. You bet. Here. Got him. Good work. Here, hold him up out of the water and head for shore. Yep. Uh-oh. Jack. Jack, he's a dead duck. 
afraid so. Is he all right? Is he all right? Don't answer. Come on up on the sand. That's it. Flamed out. Yep. Can you tell anything? That's queer. What happened to you? Now, just stand back. Now, stand back, will you? He's dead. Jack's examining. He's very dead. Drowned. That's the queer part. He didn't drown. No water in his lungs at all. What does that mean? Means he was dead before he hit the water. But how could they touch him, son? Kill that quick? It couldn't. Look at the pupils of his eyes. Your father died of poison. French official I wired ahead to have join us on the train? We. Oui. And you would like a full report which I can file at police headquarters when we arrive at Timbuktu. Uh, where are the two women? In the adjoining compartment with my partner, Doc Long. Just as well if they don't hear my story to you. Oui. What is this story? There's no doubt in my mind that Carmen Santos poisoned her husband. So? After I examined the ambassador and saw that he died of poisoning, I removed all articles from his pockets to be held for the French police. You are familiar with poisons? Well, look, let me tell the story my way, do you mind? Uh, please, do so. Yeah. I cleaned out all his pockets and put the articles in a little heap on my handkerchief. Suddenly, when Mrs. Santos thought I wasn't looking, she reached down and snatched a bottle from the pile. Doc saw her too and jumped for her. She tried to throw the bottle in the river, but he knocked her off balance and it fell in shallow water. When I recovered it, I found it to be the ambassador's bottle of quinine capsules, which he doctored himself with incessantly. You have those capsules? Yes, I examined them all carefully, and it's obvious that some of them are filled with deadly poison. Apparently put in the bottle by Carmen Santos, and she was trying to dispose of them. You know, they're very clever, woman. You know, if she'd succeeded in throwing the bottle in the river, you might have had a different opinion. Perhaps. You saw him take a quinine capsule shortly before his death. Yeah, I even suggested he was overdoing his medication. Anyway, uh... Here are all the effects I took from her husband's pocket, still tied up in my handkerchief. <laughs> and Carmen Santos is now your prisoner. Also the daughter Lola. You make a good material witness if you can make her talk. Neither woman will talk. Not a word. And yet I know they don't like each other. And what will you and Monsieur Long do now? Well, get back to Hollywood and make our excuses to Senor Carlos, who paid us 5,000 berries to protect the ambassador. Ambassador? Yes, Ambassador Ricardo Santos. I thought you knew his name. Hey, look. Look at this uh, newspaper. Miss Eden? What's this? Ambassador Ricardo Santos arrived safely in Central America this morning with his wife and daughter. Yes. You know all the time I've been talking, the ambassador was safe, and these people, Doc and I, have been carting around the country are imposters? I knew only uh, after the ambassador had arrived safely home. The whole world only knew it then. You mean until this morning the public actually thought Ambassador Santos was lost in the jungle here with us? It was a beautiful job of drawing the ambassador's political enemies off the trail. They were so sure we had him with us, they even sabotaged our plane in Sokoto, Nigeria. But see here, if our family isn't Mr. and Mrs. Santos and daughter Lola, then who are they? Uh, read the next paragraph of the news story. Huh? The three people thought to be lost in a plane crash in French West Africa are the ambassador's aide and his wife and daughter... The ambassador's aid. Each has been given $5,000 for impersonating a member of the ambassador's family to draw attention away from him. In case of the death of any or all three in line of duty, an added $50,000 indemnity had been guaranteed. Hey, there's your motive, sir. Of course. If Carmen's husband didn't come through alive, she and Lola got an added 50000 And Carmen certainly hated her husband, whether it was under the name of Santos or his right name, whatever it is. You uh, do not have much sympathy with Madame Santos. Well, if she killed her husband... We, we, I know. In France, we have much sympathy with an unhappy wife. What about a dead husband? Most unfortunate, we... Well, you do whatever you want with Carmen. She's your baby now. All Doc and I want is to get back to Hollywood. We like American girls. They kill you, but not dead. You have just heard I Love Adventure, a new Carlton E. Morse production featuring Michael Raffetto as Jack Packard and Barton Yarborough as Doc Long. Others in tonight's show included Peggy Weber, Alma Lawton, Gene Bates, Don Morrison, and Lou Krugman. 
The Ambassador Ricardo Santos Affair was written and produced by Carlton E. Morse. Organ music by Rex Corey. Your announcer, Dresser Dahlstedt. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler, rated by Independent Research, the most popular West Coast program. In gasoline, you know, it takes extra quality to go farther. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal Circle sign in yellow and black that identifies Signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story. Dear Roger. It was a strange meal they ate together that evening, full of long, awkward silences both of them making useless attempts at light conversation, trying to fill in the gaps. Anne Martin looked across at her husband. She tried to smile to make this dinner like all the others. She knew that the dread in the back of her mind had made the atmosphere tense, that Phil had sensed it somehow. At 20 minutes of seven, he put down his fork. Uh, it's no use, darling. I, I guess I'm just not hungry tonight. How about some coffee? No. Uh, Phil? Yes? Is something bothering you, darling? What makes you ask that? Well, I don't know, dear. You seem a little strange tonight, and I just thought that... What did you think? Well, I, uh, I thought you might be worried or something. (laughs) I wonder what it is. What, Phil? I wonder what it is that gives a woman the power to pull something out of the air like that. I thought I could put it past you. I guess I should have known better. Please tell me. I am worried, Anne. I'm terribly worried. What's wrong? I didn't want to tell you until it was all over. It'll probably be in the papers in a few days, though. Darling, the next ten days are going to be the most important days in our lives. But I don't understand. Number one, it looks very much like I'm going to resign as district attorney. Resign? Yes. The governor's about decided he has a job for me. In Washington. Why, Phil, you mean you... Yes, United States Senator, dear. Since Senator White passed away, it's up to the governor to appoint a man to fill out White's term. Well, that's wonderful, darling. I don't know what to say. (laughs) It's off the record at the moment, of course. It'll be the beginning for us, Anne. Or, uh, maybe not. What do you mean, maybe not? Well, there are people who don't want to see me get that appointment, Anne. Why? A lot of reasons, all of them political. Is that why you're worried, Phil? And they've come to me several times now. They've tried to bribe me, buy me off, threaten me. They'll go to any lengths to ruin me unless I refuse to accept that appointment. You see, it's their necks or mine, and they know it. They're powerful and got influence. If they could find one grain of scandal in my past, or yours for that matter, they'd... What's the matter, Anne? Nothing, Phil, no. Nothing. I, uh... I told them to go ahead, Anne. I told them to do their darndest. We have nothing to hide, have we? No, Phil. 
We have nothing to hide. And that's the second time you lied to him, isn't it, Anne? Nothing to hide. Nothing except an appointment at 8 o'clock you told him was at the dressmaker's. It makes sense now, doesn't it, Anne? The phone call from Roger Henderson this afternoon. His insistence that you come to his apartment tonight on the other side of town at 8 to uh, talk over old times. So now you know why. And as you ring the bell of his apartment, you know this appointment is going to decide everything, one way or the other. Well, my dear Mrs. Martin, how nice of you to be on time. Won't you come in? Thank you, Roger. You must excuse my apartment. Really a nice place, of course. Good location, excellent view of the river. Lacking only the woman's touch. Please sit down. Cigarette? I'd rather not, thanks. Oh, you... You don't smoke. You've included that with your other reforms, of course. Please get to the point, Roger. Why did you want me to come here? Don't be impatient, my dear. After all, it's been so long since I've had the pleasure of your company. Let me see. It's, uh, nine years now? Yes, nine years next month. In uh, Switzerland, wasn't it? San Moritz. Heavy snowfall that year. You wanted me to teach you to ski. I didn't come here to reminisce. And you're married now. Fine husband. Politically ambitious, too. Tell me, Anne, does he love you as much as I did? You're being awfully cruel, Roger. That's hardly the thing for you to say. You see, Anne, for nine years now I've thought of you... Remembered you as the cruelest woman I ever met in my life. I tried to explain it to you, Roger. You wouldn't listen. I tried to tell you I couldn't marry you. I didn't love you, that's all. It wouldn't have been fair to either of us, don't you see? It was still cruel. But it was just as hard for me. I know how you felt, but it was the only way. You did love me, Anne. You told me. Well, I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. That's not what you said in your letters. The letters? You kept them. Of course I kept them. That's why you called me here, isn't it? Roger, where are those letters? I'm planning another trip abroad, Anne. A rather long trip. I uh, dislike leaving loose ends behind me. You'll return them to me? Let's put it in another way. I'll leave on my trip after I give you the letters. I, I don't understand. Oh, dear Anne. I did hope you'd go wiser. You want something for those letters. What is it? You're so businesslike, Anne, dear. Almost as much so as that man who came here this afternoon. A very convincing chap who deplores the coming appointment of your husband to the Senate. It's all so strange, Anne. He seemed to know about the letters, too. But, Roger, you wouldn't do that, would you? It's not like you. You think too much of me. <laughs> Haven't changed a bit, have you? Oh, please, Roger, it's not for myself, believe me. It's Philip. I love him. If anything happened to him, to his career, I... What would you do? I'm interested. I don't think I could go on living. You do love him, don't you? He's the only thing in the world, Roger. I, I almost believe you. Even though I seem to remember you telling me that once. I can't say any more. I've tried to explain to you so many times. You'd never understand. All right, Anne. You'll get your letters. Thank you, Roger. They'll cost you $10,000. $10,000? In cash. To arrive here by messenger not later than 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon... But where can I I get... managed to check your personal account. It comes to approximately $11,200.58. You should be grateful I'm generous enough to allow you the balance. But how can I explain away all that money to Phil? Don't you see, Perhaps I... you'd better explain everything to him. Now, I'm sure he'll understand that the organization opposing him will pay ten times that price. But he mustn't know, Roger. He mustn't know. All right, Roger, I'll get the money for you. Some way. With the prologue of Dear Roger, the Signal Oil Company brings you another strange story by The Whistler. Since this is the first program of the new year, 
It occurred to me you might like to look in and get a little better acquainted with the organization that brings you the Whistler and those fine signal oil products. It all started not long after World War I, when a small group of young Westerners got together to form their own independent oil company, Signal Oil Company. In the face of what seemed overwhelming competition, those determined young men succeeded in bringing to Western motorists the first anti-knock gasoline at regular prices. Being independent themselves, they naturally sold signal gasoline only through independent service stations. Just a handful of them at that time. But motorists liked signal products, liked them so well that the signal organization grew and grew until today independent signal dealers serve seven western states from Canada to Mexico. Now, obviously, there must be good reasons why so many motorists have switched to signal. And there are. One, at signal stations you find the tops in gasoline, lubricants, and fine quality automotive accessories, backed by signal's 16-year tradition of quality. And two, you enjoy more thorough, more conscientious service, because signal dealers, being in business for themselves, have more incentive to serve you better. And now, back to the whistler. Yes, Anne. You know there's only one thing to do now. Roger must get his money. The letters must be returned and destroyed. And you must worry about explaining to Phil later. There's too much at stake, Anne. Phil's career, your marriage, everything depends on the return of those letters. At 11 the next morning, you finish typing a note. Roger. I shall be waiting for the messenger who carries this package to you to return with the papers from your collection. You inserted in the package of bills you drew from the bank an hour ago. Give it to the messenger waiting at the door. There's nothing to do now but wait. But there's no answer. The messenger doesn't return. At six in the evening, the doorbell rings and you rush to the door to find Phil home early for dinner. By nine o'clock, you're sure Roger is double-crossing you. That's the one thing he wants more than money, to wreck your marriage. But it's too late in the evening to do anything. You make an excuse to Phil and go to bed. By morning, you've made a decision. After Phil has left for work, you slip his small automatic into your handbag, leave the house and hail a taxi. It's nine o'clock when the cab turns the corner into Roger's street and moves toward his apartment. That's the apartment right up there, lady. Riverside Arms. Yes, I know, driver. Please hurry. You gotta take it easy. Look at that crowd up there. Clear out into the street. Why, it's in front of the apartment. What's wrong? You got me, lady. Looks like an accident or something. Hey, you, taxi! Move along! You're blocking the street! Got a bear here, officer! Got a pool down there around the corner there. What's the matter, officer? A man's been murdered, ma'am. Murdered? Yeah, move along now. Oh, wait a minute, please, wait. Who's been murdered, officer? A guy who lived in that apartment. Fellow named uh, Roger Henderson. It's almost too much to take, Anne. The strain of yesterday, a sleepless night. Now the single terrible fact that Roger Henderson is dead. That now the letters will come to light. There's a strange dizziness in your head. A half-sick feeling in your stomach. Things begin to fade. The whole world gets dark around the edges. Well, lady, where to now? Hey, where do you want to go to now, lady? If you like, we could go around by way of Park Street or even... Hey, what's the matter, lady? Something wrong? You look kind of pale, like you're going to pass out. Hey, wait! Hey, Kitty, you know, not a sniff of this ammonia. <coughs> I know it's nasty stuff, but it does the trick. Breathe deep now. <laughs> ah, 
Lean back and relax for a minute. You're all right. What, what happened? It's all right, Mrs. Martin. You just pulled a faint in that taxi cab. Where, where, where am I? In my apartment. My name's Joe Burton. How did you know my name? It's my business to know people's names. I'm a private detective. Go on. You weren't the only one this Henderson guy was blackmailing, Mrs. Martin. I've been working on him for 14 months. I got a nervous client. It seems Mr. Henderson had some of her stationery, too, all cluttered up with the wrong remarks. That's how I happened to be outside the apartment when I heard he'd been knocked off. So you pull up in the taxi, pull that faint, and presto, here you are. Why did you take me here? What do you want? Suspicious creature, aren't you? I have reason to be. You better let down the bars. You can use a guy like me. What do you mean? I think I can get your letters for you. Where are they? <laughs> it's a funny thing, isn't it? I can get you off the spot, and I think you can do the same for me. You were in Switzerland in 1937 with Henderson, weren't you? Well, what's that got to do with it? He was blackmailing my client at the same time. Someone was collecting for, uh, for him over here. But he never told me anything about... Think back, Mrs. Martin. It's important. Believe me, this dame is as desperate as you are. Still don't trust me, huh? All right. Take a look at this. Now, let's see. I shall be waiting for the messenger who carries this package to you. To... The money. $10,000 worth. Is that all it was? Where did you get it? In the valise, Henderson checked last night down at the railroad station. A pal of mine runs the check room. Go ahead, take it. Take it? It's yours, isn't it? Yes, it's mine. Do you trust me now? Uh, yes, yes, I guess I do. Good. Now, I suppose you let your hair down. Well, you said you knew where the letters were. I think so. Let's try to find them. If we fail, I'll, I'll tell you everything. I'll do anything to help you. You've simply got to understand, Mr. Burton. I must have those letters. All right. There was a small walnut nightstand in Henderson's bedroom. Brass lock on the front. The cleaning woman says she's seen him put papers in there. I think they're the right ones. We'll check with her again in the morning. But why not now? The place is crawling with police. Oh, yes, of course. What time? Ten be all right? All right. Ten o'clock. <laughs> Yes, Anne, you've got to trust him. There's no one else to turn to now. You arrive home to find the phone ringing. It's Phil saying he'll be working late. But it's not until after 11 when he quietly walks into the bedroom that you realize what he's working on. Wake, darling? Yes, Phil. Oh, I'm sorry I'm so late. That Henderson murder's thrown the organization into an uproar. Henderson? Yeah. Thought you might have seen it in the papers. The governor wants me to handle the case personally. Says it'll make great publicity just before the appointment. But Phil, an ordinary murder case. You oh, that's to... just it. There's more to this one than meets the eye. This guy Henderson was a professional blackmailer mixed up with the wife of some political bigwing. I've got a report on him a mile long. No names yet. The guy is too careful. But, Phil, darling, I don't want you involved in this sort of thing. It might be dangerous. Don't you see? Oh, forget Phil. it, Angel. Uh... This is going to be my last one. I want to make this one big. You started to tell him, Anne. Caught yourself just when you felt you couldn't hold it back any longer. Somehow you know you've got to stand it for another day, long enough to give Burton his chance. The next morning, the two of you arrive at the apartment building, wait for an opportunity to slip around through the corridor to the door with a brass nameplate on it, Mrs. Mooner, manager. A tight-lipped individual, Mrs. Mooner, until Burton slips her a $10 bill. Then it seems she can't yes, say I, enough. Mr. Burton, I do the cleaning up there occasionally, and I'd remember a nightstand if there was one. I know it was there, Mrs. Muller. Black walnut with red plastic knobs. Wait a minute. It was on the side of the bed toward the door. Oh, but that wasn't a nightstand. That was a dishes cabinet. He kept it locked all the time. The leg was loose. Mr. Henderson always told me to be careful of it, and... And what? Uh, uh, our repairman came around to the door just yesterday. I, I remembered the cabinet. You gave it to him? Yes. He took it to his shop. I've got the address right here. Uh, 
liquor cabinet? Who picked it up? I don't know who picked it up. The black walnut, red plastic knob. Brass lock on the front. You sure the man left this address? Let's not go through that again. I told Wait. you. Wait. Sure. Sure, that's what it is. Red done it again. The guy had red hair, didn't he? I don't know what color hair he had. I fired him last week. He's been going around town picking up furniture and selling it. Where can I find him? Just a minute, I'll write it down. Look, a red-haired fella came in here yesterday and sold you a liquor cabinet. I just talked to him. We see it around the floor anywhere? Oh, look, what about that one? Where? Right over there, next to the sofa. See? Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Come on. I'm awfully sorry that one's not for sale. Why not? Well, it's locked, and we've got to get a key man here to open it. and need some repairs. I'll worry about that. Give me that paper knife, Mrs. Munn. Oh, here you are. Now. Wait a second. You can't do that. I'm paying for it, pal. Now. Empty. Yeah. I guess he was one jump ahead of us. Well, how much for it, pal? Uh... $20. Okay, here you are. Thank you. Well, aren't you going to take it along? I'll send for it later. Well? What do we do now? I guess we go back to my apartment. Talk for a while. Start all over again. Yes, Anne. There's nothing to do now but start from the beginning again. But you know in your heart it's almost hopeless that somewhere someone has those letters and plans to use them against you. But you've made up your mind to try, to keep trying until you're sure there's no hope. An hour later, the two of you are sitting over a table in his apartment. He lights your cigarette, leans back, waiting. Now, you understand, Mrs. Martin, why you have to tell me all you know about Henderson? Yes. How's your morale? Not too high, I'm afraid. Suppose you start from the first, huh? It won't take us long. Who's that? I don't know. I'm not in a hurry. Get into the closet over there. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Burton. Well, Mr. Martin. Hello, D.A. Mind if I come in? I'm a little busy. It's important. What's on your mind? A lot of routine stuff. A murder, mostly. A fellow named Roger Henderson. Know anything about it? No, why? I think you do. I think you killed him night before last at 11 o'clock. Funny, I'd swear I was with a guy named Joe Rocker at the time. So did he. Until we broke him down. He spilled it. Right from the beginning. Put up your hands, Burton. Ah, a thirty-eight. The boys in the laboratory will be interested in this. You back on the homicide detail, D.A.? On this one, I am. I was interested the minute I found out you are hired by the mob that's after my neck. They offered you a hundred grand, didn't they, Burton? You seem to know everything. Why don't you answer that one? We can do an awful lot of close guessing. Henderson was in the middle somewhere, wasn't he? Some woman he was putting the bite on, a package of letters you were after on the night you killed him. You made a mistake, though, Burton. The woman had nothing to do with me. I never saw in my life. You can tell her to come out of that closet now. What makes you think... Cigarette with lipstick in the ashtray there, still burning. And another thing, unless I'm mistaken, the table here... Ah, dictaphone. Recording machine in the next room, eh? You still say she isn't here? Why don't you take a look? All right. I will. Anne! The Whistler will return in just a moment with a strange ending to tonight's story. Did you hear that? <laughs> just another New Year's resolution being broken. But there's one I hope you won't break, and that's the one we made on last week's Whistler. To try, just try, signal gasoline in your car. Because seriously, friends, there are real advantages for the driver who powers his car with signal. 
Not only because Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline, but now that the government has removed its limitations on the amount of lead used in gasoline, the quality of today's Signal is at an all-time high. You see, it's this extra quality, the extra efficiency today's Signal gasoline gets from your motor that gives you those quick starts, fast pickups, and smooth knock-free power. Yes, and it's these same quality features a gasoline must have for extra driving pleasure that also give you extra mileage, mileage you can measure with your speedometer. For proof, just switch to Signal for a few fillings. Let the performance of your own car show you what more and more drivers are discovering. In gasoline, it takes extra quality to go farther, and Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. And now, back to the whistler. You move like an automaton for the next hour, Anne. Too confused and frightened to think clearly. Following Phil's instructions to leave the building by the side entrance, take a taxi home and meet him there. It's only after you arrive home and relax quietly for a while in a chair by the fireplace that your mind stops spinning. You close your eyes and try to forget everything. Phil is bending over you as you open them again. Phil? Anne, Anne, how are you? I don't know, Phil. Been terrible. I've done an awful thing. Relax, darling. Don't try to talk. What can I say, Phil? Don't say anything. Aren't you going to ask me any questions? No. No questions. You find me in a murderer's apartment? And the blackmail? Everything? No questions, huh? When you... When you love someone like... Like I love you, Anne... You don't ask questions. I've got to tell you everything. Right from the beginning. That's it, eh? Yes, that's it. I was only trying to protect you, darling. I know it's hopeless now. It's far from hopeless, Angel. We're stronger now than we ever were before. They'll never open their traps with a number one boy up on a murder charge. And that doesn't matter now, Anne. Nothing matters except you and me. Not even your career. Not even my career. Oh, I almost forgot. There was a note for you waiting in the mailbox when I got home tonight. Oh, that's strange. Look. To be delivered January 6th. Dear Anne... By the time you receive this, I will be well on my way out of the country. I promised you I'd return the letters to you. I'm sorry to say I can't return. You see, there aren't any letters. I destroyed every one of them nine years ago when I first received them. <laughs> Have fun with your charming husband, Anne. It's such a short lifetime, isn't it? Hi. Roger and... Let that whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Monday at 9. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. Signal has asked me to remind you to get the most driving pleasure, drive at sensible speeds, be courteous and obey traffic regulations. It may save a life, possibly your own. Featured in tonight's story were Lorene Tuttle and William Johnstone. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen with tonight's story by Stuart Nobins. Music by Wilbur Hatch and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Marvin Miller speaking for the Signal Oil Company. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. There's more from I Love Adventure, The Whistler, past episodes of this podcast, and all the others at relicradio.com. You can find our Shoutcast stream available there as well. Lots to listen to, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com. See what downloadable sets we have for certain donation amounts. Any amount is always helpful and appreciated. Thanks again to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.